So again, I tell you, happy Sabbath again, Spencerville. And you'll get used to me saying this over and over again. Every time when I'm asked to preach or to speak, I always pray and I ask God, God, what is the message that you want me to share with your people? And he always, always gives me a word, but the word he gives me always is for me first. Because it has to be for me, it has to convict me, the word has to marinate in my mind in such a way that when I stand before you, it becomes now a message that's not just one of intellect or one of theological prowess, but one that is truly coming from a place of conviction. So as I prayed this week and I asked God, God, what is the message? Over and over, I kept hearing the word prayer, prayer, prayer. So, okay, God, I hear you. And then when I did my devotion later this week, there was a quote in my devotion, which I want to share a part of it with you. It says this, it says, prayer is the answer to every problem in life. It puts us in tune with divine wisdom, which knows how to adjust everything perfectly. So often we do not pray in certain situations because from our standpoint, the outlook is hopeless, but nothing is impossible with God. So I want to speak to you this morning from the topic, the power of prayer, the power of prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly kind Father, Lord, I want to thank you so much for your blessings and for this message that you laid on my heart that first I had to be convicted by. I know prayer is powerful, but you placed it before me in such a clear way, and that's the message that you wanted me to share. So God, I pray that every single person who is here in this congregation, every person who is watching online, every person who will ever watch this service will also feel that same conviction that there is power in prayer. So I ask God that you remove from me anything that is unlike you that will block anyone from hearing this message. I ask God that you will let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight because God, you are my strength and you are my redeemer. These mercies I ask and in my pray, amen. So again, the power of prayer. And I love the first part of that quote because it said that prayer is the answer to every problem in life, every single problem. And if you're anything like me, whether it's a big one or a small one, a short-term one or a long-term one, we all can admit that we face some kind of problem. A matter of fact, some of us are dealing with multiple problems at the same time. And if you feel like, well, what is she talking about? So I'll share something with you that happened to me this week. As all of you know, I'm new to the area and something in New York that we often do every year, the car has to get inspected. But it's usually a quick inspection. They check for some little things to make sure that the car can function on the road. So here in Maryland, I had to get an inspection. So I had some work done to my car last year, and I just knew that this car was going to pass with flying colors. So when I went, he said, well, I said, I'll wait for the car, you know, once you look at it, and then I'll just wait for it. He said, it's going to take about three hours. And I'm like, three hours? But I was fine with that, because I'm like, you know, everything is going to be fine. When I came back, he says, um, the inspection failed. Failed? problems. Thankfully, I did get it fixed, but I'm just sharing with you that we all in our life face some type of problem. Maybe that wasn't your problem. Maybe your problem might be one where you're looking for a job, and in trying to find a job, everyone is telling you that you're overqualified for the job. 
but then you're looking for another job and you have no experience for the job. Problems. Maybe you're someone who you wanted to take a day off from work just to relax, but your children didn't get the memo, so you're not able to relax. Problems. We've all faced them. Maybe you're someone who had an idea to do some kind of entrepreneurship of launching a business, but you look at your bank account and it doesn't seem to be in sync with the idea that you have in your mind. Problems. Or maybe you went for a routine health checkup, thinking that everything should be fine, I feel fine, only to find out that there's some kind of major health challenge, problems. We all, if we are honest with ourselves, are facing or will face some type of problem. And as I thought about this quote that I read in the devotion that prayer is the answer to every problem in life, I knew that I believed it. I'm sure that you believe it as well. But I had to look at myself and say, well, Crystal, if you believe that prayer is the answer to every problem in life, when you face a problem, is prayer the first thing that you do? And if I'm honest with myself, sometimes it's not. Yes, I'm Pastor Crystal, but sometimes it's not. And God had to confront me with that because if I'm going to say and believe that there is power in prayer, and I believe that prayer is the answer to every problem in life, then when I face a problem, when you face a problem, the first thing that we should do is to do what? It's to pray. So something that I realized in that point is that God has a way of now confronting us with these thoughts about prayer, and he wants us to get to the point where when we face a problem, that prayer is what we think about. I remember as a child growing up in my church, there was this uh, pastor, and he would say, you know, there was like a call and response with the congregation, and he would say, no prayer, and the church would respond, no power. Then he would say, little prayer, and the church would respond, little power. And then he'd say, much prayer, and what do you think the church responded with? Much power. One of the major problems that we face today is that we want to experience much power, but with very little prayer. And God wants to confront us about the fact that his people, our people, we are believers, and we are not praying the way that he would have us to pray. But the thing that's interesting about God, sometimes he has a way of teaching us very powerful lessons using the most unlikely persons in the most unlikely circumstances so that we will never forget the lesson. Share a story with you. I remember some years ago, I was on, a way, on my way to visit a friend of mine. She was at a Pathfinder campery. And I was babysitting my nephews. They're now well into their teens, but at the time they were three and six years old. And I remember putting the address in the GPS, and it was probably about maybe two and a half hours or so to get there. So as we're driving along, for those of you who have children, I can imagine you've had this experience where they're just like, Auntie Crystal, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And in my mind, I'm like, God, please let them go to sleep. I don't want to drive this whole way with them saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? So eventually they did fall asleep, and I'm there driving along, driving along. And as I got 
close to my destination, there were a lot of trees and bushes and so many things, and all of a sudden, my GPS was no longer registering. I was so close to the destination, but yet so far, probably like a mile or two away, but couldn't figure out how to get there because the GPS wasn't working. At that point, as fate would have it, my nephews wake up, and guess what they say? Auntie Crystal, are we there yet? No, we're not there. And my youngest nephew, he was at three at the time, he says, Auntie Crystal, is everything okay? And I say, everything is fine. But he could sense that I seemed and looked a little frazzled. And I said, you know, I'm just trying to get here. We're really close, but, um, you know, something happened with the GPS. He says to me, well, Auntie Crystal, why don't we just pray? And I said, well, yeah, let's, let's pray. And we prayed. And God allowed, believe it or not, right probably shortly after, the GPS started to work and I got to the destination. Here was the most unlikely person, this three-year-old nephew of mine. I'm the adult. I'm the person who's been in church for a long time. At the time, I was an elder at my church. I should have known that I should pray. And here it was that he had to be the one to remind me that I needed to pray. The most unlikely person in the most unlikely circumstance. And this is what God often does for us. He places us in these situations with the most unlikely person, the most unlikely circumstance, so that we can learn a lesson that we will never forget. Now, if you've ever been in a circumstance or not been in a circumstance where you found yourself in a troubled situation and you're thinking, how am I going to solve this? And like I said, if you're anything like me, your first step might be to try to figure out how to solve it. But God wants us to get to the point where our first and initial thought is to pray. So as we are talking about now this concept of the most unlikely person in the most unlikely circumstance and learning a lesson from that, I want you to turn your Bibles with me to a familiar story, a story that we've probably heard before. And trust me, you'll never look at this story again. It's in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 23, verses 39 to 43. Luke chapter 23, 39 to 43. And I'm going to read this story in your hearing. And the Bible says here that one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. And this criminal says, well, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal then rebuked him, and that criminal says, don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting our deeds of what we deserve. But this man, this man in the middle, Jesus in the middle on the cross, he has done nothing wrong. And the Bible says now in verse 42, then this thief, the person who we have come to know as the thief on the cross, he then utters these words and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So I want you to, to see this visual, see it in your mind. So here we have three individuals on the cross. We have a thief on one end, a thief on the other, Jesus in the middle. And we know that the thieves on the end, they deserve this penalty of death. Think about the verbal exchange that's taking place as I just read it in the scripture. 
So we have one thief who's saying, well, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And the other thief then responds and he says, well, don't you fear God? He said, since we are all under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what we deserve. And as this dialogue continues to take place, in the end, that thief then says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. See, when we look at what is actually taking place in this moment, I want to say to you that this moment was evidence of the power of prayer. And I'm sure you probably never thought about it this way, but I challenge you to think about what actually is prayer. See, sometimes we overcomplicate what prayer really is. We think that we always have to be on our knees or we have to go to our prayer closet or we have to use these words of in a dissertation or we have to use words from a hymn before we start. But when we think about what exactly prayer is, prayer is direct communication with God. Prayer is talking to God as a friend. What this thief did in that moment is he turned his attention to Jesus and he says to him directly, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, who would have thought, as I spoke about the concept of learning in an from an unlikely person in an unlikely circumstance, who would have thought that we could learn a message about prayer from a guilty thief on the cross who was doomed to die? See, sometimes God, as I mentioned before, uses the most unlikely person in an unlikely circumstance so that we can learn a lesson that we will never forget. And I guarantee that you will never think about this thief on the cross in the same way again. See, if you want to truly experience the power of prayer, if you want to really understand what prayer can do in your life, there's five key things that you can actually learn from this thief on the cross. That as I studied this scripture in a deeper way, it's like, wow, I can actually learn some lessons from this thief. And the first lesson that I want you to think about is that this thief, he recognized and accepted his true condition. He recognized and he accepted his true condition. What was his true condition? He was doomed to die. See, for many of us, until we see ourselves in our true condition, we are not going to be led to pray because we think we're all right. But when you see yourself in the true condition for who you really are, when you see yourself and recognize that we are all sinners in need of a savior, I guarantee that your prayer life will improve. You will begin to recognize the importance and the power in prayer. This is what this thief recognized. He was doomed to die. That was his situation and he accepted it. The second thing that we can learn from this thief on the cross is that he recognized his vulnerability. And in his vulnerability, he realized that he could not help himself and he needed help. See, for many of us, because we could help ourselves, we could figure out this problem, then what's the need of going to God in prayer? 
But when you get to the point where you realize the true vulnerability and you realize that I cannot help myself, that thief on the cross, if there was any way possible for him to take himself down off the cross, I'm sure he would have. But he realized that he could not. In vulnerability, he saw his situation and he knew that I actually need help in this situation. We all have to get to the point where we realize that we need help in our situation. So this thief, first he recognized his true condition. Then he, in his vulnerability, recognized that he could not help himself, he needed help. The third lesson that we can learn from this thief is that he recognized that he was in the presence of someone that could actually help him. I want you to think about this story again as we look at that scripture. So initially, there's this back and forth exchange taking place between the two criminals. All three are on the cross, and one criminal is saying, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and save us. The thief then responds, and he is like, don't you fear God? That thief on the cross, the one who we've come to know infamously as the thief on the cross, in that moment, he realized, wait a minute, here I am, I'm about to die. And I am wasting my time having a conversation with this other thief who can do nothing for me. But the person who can actually do something for me has been silent this entire time. And he recognized I need to turn my attention to the person who actually has the power to help me. See, oftentimes in our situations in life, there are people, they have a genuine heart, they're willing to help. They might be willing to lend you money, but they might not be able to lend you money. Then you have some people who are able to lend you money or able to provide support, but they're not willing to do it. But Jesus, he is not only willing, but he is also able. So whatever situation you find yourself in, you have to remember, no matter how difficult that situation is, that Jesus, God, he is willing and able to answer your prayer. So this thief, he then turns to the person who he knows and recognizes now has the power to be able to help him. And he says to him, Remember me. Remember me. And the power that Jesus had, even as he hung there on the cross, he had the power to be able to make things right with that thief. The fourth lesson that I want you to remember and to take away from this thief on the cross, he recognized the need for authenticity in his prayer. See, oftentimes we go to God and we we utter all these types of pleasantries and we say all these things. And I'm not saying that they're wrong or bad, but we need to come to God in an authentic way, saying to him, what is the desire on our heart? What is the need that we have? And the thing that's interesting about it is that God already knows what it is. Us coming to him is not for us to inform God, but it's for us to come to a place of complete surrender, demonstrating that we actually believe and have the faith that there is power in prayer that God can actually answer. 
What I loved about what this thief did in that moment, he didn't have the time. He was about to die. He didn't have the time to utter a a five-hour prayer or a three-minute prayer. What did he say? He said, remember me. Sometimes in our life, all we can utter is, God, save me. All we can utter or have the strength to say is, God, deliver me. All we have the strength to say is, God, save me. God, heal me. All of those things are prayers. And when you pray in that way, I guarantee that there will always be a response from Jesus. The last lesson that I want you to think about from this thief is that he recognized that this prayer had to come directly from him. Now, there is power in intercessory prayer. Sometimes God calls us to intervene and to intercede on behalf of someone who cannot pray for themselves. But when you have the ability to pray for yourself, then you need to pray. These are all lessons that we can learn from this thief. So maybe you're here still wondering, well, is there power in prayer? The thief uttered the words. He finally got to the point where he recognized who this man Jesus was in the middle of the two thieves. He says, remember me. And throughout this entire story, if you pay attention, Jesus never said a word as the criminals argued and debated with each other. And the first time that Jesus opened his mouth was in verse 43. Jesus now answers this thief on the cross, and he says, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. There was a prayer, and there was an answer to the prayer. Church, there is power in prayer. There is power in prayer, and we need to get to the point where we earnestly pray. All throughout the Bible, we see these stories of the power of prayer, simple little prayers. I think about the story of the father who brought his demon-possessed son, and he wanted this demon to be cast out of his son. The disciples couldn't do it. And then Jesus says to him, well, do you believe? And in authenticity, the father responds to Jesus, and he says, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. A prayer. Peter on the water, walking on the water, and the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and begins to sink, he then says, Lord, save me. Prayer. Was he saved? He was saved, indicating the power of prayer when we directly talk to our God. This afternoon, I want to remind you again about the power of prayer, and I want to encourage you to pray. I'm not suggesting that you haven't been praying, but we need to take our prayer lives to another level. You need to pray for yourself, pray for your family, pray for this church, pray for the pastors, pray for the community. There's a mighty work that God wants to do in and through us, but it requires prayer. And as I said earlier, as a little girl in my church, when the preacher would say, well, no prayer, and the church would say, no power. Little prayer, little power. Today I'm saying much prayer, and you will respond? Much power. 
much power. When we pray, there will be much power. So if you are here this afternoon, and maybe you never heard about this man, Jesus, that I was talking about, that when we pray, he actually responds. I want to be able to pray with you and help you to learn more about who he is. In your bulletin, there's a connect card. So fill that out, and you can put it in the basket outside. Because as a pastoral team, we want to pray with you and for you so that you can get to know who this man, Jesus, is. And maybe you already know who he is. We know who he is, and we've been praying But I want to encourage you today to take your prayer life to another level. There is a mighty work that God wants to do in us, but we have to pray. You know that quote that I shared with you earlier in my devotion? I read a portion of the quote, but I want to read the full quote in its entirety so you can understand why this quote moved me so much. I've read it before. But this week, it really, really just moved me. And that quote in entirety, it says, prayer is the answer to every problem in life. It puts us in tune with divine wisdom, which knows how to adjust everything perfectly. So often, we do not pray in certain situations because from our standpoint, the outlook is hopeless. But nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is so entangled that it cannot be remedied. No human relationship is so strained that God cannot bring about reconciliation. And no habit, no habit, no addiction is so deep-rooted that it cannot be overcome. No one is so weak that they cannot be strong. And no one is so ill that they cannot be healed. No mind is so dull that it cannot be made brilliant. Whatever we need, and that hit me, whatever we need, if we trust God, he will supply it. As I mentioned before, God is not only willing, but he is also able. And the last part of the quote said, if anything is causing worry or anxiety, let us stop rehearsing the difficulty, which is what we often do, rehearse the difficulty, and we need to trust God for his healing, his love, and his power. One of my favorite hymn writers and hymns that I love says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in what? In prayer. Are there pains, are there burdens that you're carrying around? Are you not feeling that peace that passes all understanding? This morning, I want to let you know this afternoon that there is power in prayer. Second Chronicles 7.14, and I'll leave you with this. It says, if my people, if my people, we are God's people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and do what? And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive them and will heal their land. This is a promise. And God has never fallen short of any of his promises. He is saying to us today, if my people, if you, Spencerville, if I, Spencerville, if all of us 
will humble ourselves and pray. Imagine what God would do in this church. Imagine what he would do in this community. Imagine what he would do in your family and in your life. I want to encourage you this afternoon to remember that there is power in prayer. So here it is, that God use an unlikely person, the thief on the cross, that I'm sure you probably never thought about him in this way, in an unlikely circumstance, being doomed to die, to have us understand this morning, this afternoon, about the power of prayer. And I pray that you will never think about this thief on the cross in the same way ever again, because there truly is power in prayer. May God bless you.